Well, good morning. Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to start by telling you the story of the upside-down mice by the author Roald Dahl. Do you know the story? All right, you know him because he's the author of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and all the stories about Willy Wonka. That's how you know him. But in this story, he tells of an old man who discovered that he had some mice living in his home with him. And at first, it didn't really bother him. But then, when the, when the mice began to multiply in number, he decided to do something about it. And so he went to a shop, and he bought some mouse traps and some cheese, and then he bought some glue. And when he got home, he put some cheese in the mouse traps, and then he put a little dot of glue on the bottom of the mouse traps, and then he stuck the mouse traps to the ceiling. Pretty good so far. And then he went to bed. That night, when the mice came out of their holes and they saw the mouse traps with the cheese in them, but stuck to the ceiling, they thought it was a tremendous joke. And they started laughing and nudging each other, pointing up, roaring with laughter. Mouse traps on the ceiling? What a crazy idea. And when the old man came down the next morning and saw that there were no mice caught in the traps, he smiled, but he said nothing. And then he did something rather strange. Not that the other thing wasn't strange. He took a chair and he put a dot of glue on the bottom of each of the four legs and he stuck it to the ceiling, right upside down. And then he did that the same thing with, uh, with the table and with the lamp and the television. And in fact, he took everything that was on the floor and he stuck it upside down on the ceiling. He even put some carpet up there. Now, the next night, when the mice came out of their holes, they were all still joking and laughing about what they'd seen the night before. Uh, but this time, when they looked up and they saw the ceiling, they stopped laughing. Because they were starting to feel very disoriented. Everything that was supposed to be on the floor was on the ceiling. And it was all very confusing. And they were all beginning to feel dizzy, and suddenly it wasn't funny to them anymore. So what to do? Then a very clever mice began to stand on his head. And at that moment he started saying, Hey guys, this makes me feel so much better. And so one by one, all of the mice began to stand on their heads so that they would match the orientation of the room. Immediately they all felt so much better being in sync with the room again. But then after a little while, after the blood started to rush to their heads, one by one, the mice began to faint because of the rush of blood to their heads. The next morning, when the old man came downstairs, he found the floor littered with mice. And so he quickly gathered them all up and then set them outside. Okay, why did I tell you that story this morning? is because of this. We all live in an upside-down world. That's why. All of us live in an upside-down world. And we have allowed ourselves to be convinced that the things that belong on the bottom are really at the top. 
And the things that belong at the top are really at the bottom. And Jesus says, an enemy has done this. And he's done this because he wants to destroy us. Us and everything else that God has made. And the trouble for us comes when we try to conform ourselves to the world as it appears to be, rather than living in the world as it really is. Rather than living in the world as God has created it to be. That's what's going on in our gospel lesson today. Jesus has told his disciples two times now that he was going to be betrayed and given over into the hands of sinners and beaten and crucified. And the first time, Peter took him aside and he rebuked Jesus for saying those things. But then Jesus, you remember, Jesus turned and rebuked Peter. And, and he said, get behind me, Satan. Because Peter was thinking about human things rather than divine things. And now this time, Jesus tells them the same thing. He's going to be betrayed and given over into the hands of sinners and beaten and crucified. But now they remained silent. They didn't understand what he was saying, and they were afraid to ask him. For them, it was like Jesus was saying crazy things all of a sudden. No, if you really are the Messiah, Jesus, then like Peter said you were, then of course that kind of stuff won't happen to you. That's, that's what happens to failed pretenders. That's what happens to people that really aren't the Messiah. But we believe that you are. And so that kind of stuff cannot happen. It just cannot be true. And so the people, and so the disciples, they just remained silent. But if you are the Messiah, it will be different than what you say. Because the Messiah doesn't suffer. The Messiah, the Messiah doesn't get betrayed. The Messiah doesn't die like you say you're going to. And so they were confused and they were scared. And so they remained silent that second time that Jesus told them that he was going to suffer and die. But they didn't remain silent that long. Because soon they would be arguing about something else. They were arguing with each other. And what were they arguing about? They were arguing about who among them was the greatest. Can you imagine such a thing? Jesus has just told them twice that he's going to suffer and die. And the next thing they're thinking about is, hey, I wonder who's the greatest among us. Talk about not hearing what Jesus has been saying. And so when they got to where they were going, Jesus asked them, hey, guys, so what were y'all talking about on the road? What were y'all arguing about? Now, you know, when Jesus asks a question, he never, well, he's not asking it for his own benefit. He's not trying to find out stuff that he doesn't already know. He asks questions to get the people that he is asking to do some self-reflection. He asks questions so that we who are listening in can pay attention and learn something. Okay, so knowing that what they had been arguing about, he asks them to fess up about it. But look what it says. They were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. 
no one wanted to admit what they were doing. It's because they were ashamed. And they should have been. Look what Jesus does next. He sat down. He called the twelve. And he said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them. And taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. Okay, there's some things that we need to see here in this passage. And the first one is this. This is what Jesus says. Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Notice that Jesus doesn't say that it's wrong to want to be first or that it's wrong to want to be great. He doesn't say that it's wrong to want to be great or to be first. Those are good things to desire. It's not wrong to want that. But in our upside-down world, what we mean by being great or by being first is all wrong. And see, Jesus has been trying to tell his disciples for a while now. This whole time he's been showing them what true greatness is. This whole time he's been telling them what greatness looks like. He's been giving them a lesson in greatness. And what has he been saying? He's been saying that the greatest is the one who lays down his life for those who are below them. That the greatest comes not to be served, but to be a servant of all. See, it's not wrong to be the greatest. It's not wrong to be the first. It can't be. Jesus is the greatest. He is the first. But he comes among us embodying true kingdom greatness. He comes among us as one who serves. And this isn't something that Jesus came and did just for a little while. No. This is the way God really is. Jesus says that if we've seen him, we've seen the Father. And when we see Jesus being a servant, we see God as he really is. And that seems backwards to us. That seems wrong and upside down. But the truth is, we're the backwards ones. We're the ones who misunderstand what greatness is all about. We're the ones who want to be great so that we can be served rather than the other way around. Rather than wanting to serve so that we can be great in God's kingdom. We live in an upside-down world. And we've allowed our hearts and our minds to be so transformed and and so distorted by this upside-down place that when God Himself says something like this, it sounds foolish and crazy to us. It's hard for us to believe. But it's because we're like those mice and we have decided that it feels much better to conform ourselves to the way the world seems to be rather than living in the world as God has made it. Okay, now look what Jesus does next. 
He took a little child and put it among them. And then he took the child in his arms and he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. Just for a minute. Isn't that amazing? I mean, just think about that. He took a child in his arms. And what would that have been like? To have been that child and to have the creator of the universe just take you in his arms one afternoon. That would have been pretty cool. But what does Jesus say? He says, Whoever welcomes a child like this in my name welcomes me. And if you welcome me, you are welcoming God. Okay, let me ask you this. When a child walks in the room, does everyone immediately think, Ah, finally, the most important person has arrived. Is that what we usually think? Not usually. A child is rarely the most important person in a crowd. A child is often easily ignored. And we often don't think a child will have anything worthwhile to contribute to our very important adult world. But Jesus says, you want to be with me? You want to be a friend of God? You want to be a person who hosts God in your heart and in your life? then you can do that by receiving a child like this one. You want to receive someone important into your life? You want to be seen receiving the King of Kings? Then be seen receiving a child. Because when you receive a child like this, you are receiving God Himself. Jesus says that that's the way the world really is. You receive God, not by receiving those who appear to be the greatest and the most important, but by receiving the ones who seem like the least important among us. Can you imagine what this world would be like if we all desired to be great, but in the true Christian sense of greatness? Can you imagine if we all tried to outdo one another in our service of each other? Can you imagine what this world would be like? What if we saw every opportunity to interact with another human being, no matter who they are, as an opportunity to receive God himself? Would that change the way you treated those people that you interact with? Would that change the way you treated your wife, your husband? Would it change the way you treated your children, and your grandchildren, and your employees, or the person who's going to wait on your table? What if we, as a community, all strove to be great, but, but to be truly great, and so strove to outdo one another as servant of all? Do you think God's kingdom would begin to break into this world with a little more power? Do you think that it would make a difference in your life? Why don't we do that? Why don't we just decide today that that's what we're going to do? Let's don't argue about who's the greatest. Let's just outdo each other 
in greatness. Let's make it a point each day to be great by being one who serves. Let's make it a point this week to receive each person as if we are receiving God Himself. Because that's what we're doing. Jesus says so right here. And maybe, just maybe, if we do that, we'll begin to turn this upside-down world right-side up again. Let's do that this week. Let's be that kind of apostle this week. What do you say? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you have shown us that we live in an upside-down world. Lord, help us to see this world the way it really is and to strive to be truly great in the kingdom of God. For you, who are great, came among us as one who serves and laid down your life for our sake. We exalt you today and we thank you and we pray this all in your holy name. Amen. Please stand with me.